Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. After weeks of 1-1 draws to close out the 2016 calendar year, it appears as though 2017 might be the year of 2-2 draws as the Roar and Perth left NIB Stadium with a point each on Saturday night. It was kind of similar on Tuesday as the Roar opened their Asian Champions League campaign with a draw against Thai champions Wang Tong United on Tuesday night, but fans will be a little bit disappointed even though it's the best start to the Champions League campaign the Roar have ever had. Welcome to the Chris Grossman episode 21 of the Brisbane Football Review. We're here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. I'm your host, James Coglin, and I'm joined, as always, by the ever-reliable Scott Owen. Scott, how are you going? Not bad, James. How are you? And on the other side of the desk, filling in for Adam, who's currently in the casinos of Las Vegas, conducting his own little podcast fundraising trip, is Richard McFowl. Welcome to the show, Richard. Thanks for having me. Yes, Richard is proudly sporting his Arsenal jersey after beating the mighty Sutton United. Yeah, I was just about to put that one in. <laughs> well, we've got to take everything we can get as I Arsenal know, fans Especially right after last uh, went, uh, Thursday morning. And Scott's just rolling his eyes as a non-Arsenal fan. No, it's fine. <laughs> All right, let's Had get... a good winner with Snedi, and it's fine. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's get into segment one, the A-League review. So the game finished 2-2 Saturday night in Perth. Lots of action. The Royal probably feel like they should have come away with a victory. Now would have been the perfect time for a Wild 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 West reference, but frankly, we're better than that, and I can't say it again, so let's just get into the game. Scott, lead us off with your general thoughts. It was a good game, actually. It was one of those games, all pretty even between two sides, which are relatively even on the table, and they're probably going to run into us at some point in the the finals, but it is a game the Raw probably should have won, with obviously the second goal, the first goal, we'll get into that in a minute for Perth. There's controversy there, there was a penalty. And the Raw did play well. It's just in the second half, with all the games the Raw have played, fatigue kicked in. And the last five minutes were probably happy to take the draw, but before that, the Raw were a better team. They certainly had their chances, Richard. Yeah, I mean, watching the game, I have to admit, it's probably uh, one of the best away performances I've actually seen in the John Aloisi era at the Raw, um, especially with the team that we had out with a lot of young players and all that type of thing. Um, I felt on the balance of chances, certainly in the first... 75 minutes of the game that we were much the better team particularly in the first half um and you know on another day i think uh we we should have come away with three points and if mclaren had had his shooting boots on which we've probably said numerous times (laughs) this season i think we would have come away with the three points yeah well all things considered like it was a long flight over the raw had been traveling quite a lot lately it was a rare actually midweek off for them after the last little while yeah, that might have actually worked against them too because they've been playing games so often they had a break. And you could see a whole lot of the players were really sore. I think Borello was... He was spent. I mean, Tommy Orr. Luke Devere came off probably part precaution, part fatigue. So I think it certainly played a part, the fatigue. And the six-hour flight to Perth doesn't help either. Mm, but no one was probably more sore than Matt Mackay who ended up getting his nose splattered all across his face early on. Richard, what do you think of his, Mackay's efforts? Uh, I have to say, um, when I saw the team sheet and he was lining up at left back, I was a little bit concerned um, given his past performances for the Socceroos in that position. Um, but I think he acquitted himself quite well and used his experience. And I think it was 
partly to do with the lesser quality of the opposition. Mind you, he was up against a, a fairly um, respected winger in the A-League in Chris Harold, and I think he handled him quite well during the game. Yeah, well, I was wearing the player rating for outside 90, and I think Chris Harold was probably up there with Diego Castro as Perth's best player, but how do you think Mackay handled himself at left back? I thought that Mackay did okay at left back. I think, obviously, the knock he copped on his nose in the first two minutes, that's going to affect anyone's game. And I thought he actually came back and dealt with it well, but I thought Harold was a good opponent for him because he's not lightning quick. He's not the most skillful. He's the kind of guy that you can you can kind of defend. I think Mackay did well against him. And on the other side, it was actually a bit of a pre-game you know, stuff around because Thomas Christensen was supposed to be starting in midfield and Jacob Pepper at right back, and Christensen felt his hamstring and wound up being left out as a precaution. So it was the youngster, Dane Ingham, coming into the right back. He comes in and scores. Unbelievable, huh? But I don't think it was actually a great all-around showing from Ingham. We saw how good he can be, but also there were a few, I suppose, kind of questionable decisions, like trying to hit a cross first time that wound up in the stands. And Yeah, Richard? Yeah, I mean, um, I have had actually past experience of playing against Dane Ingham um, back in my days playing MPL uh, when he was playing for the QAS, I believe. Um, and I've, I, I do know of him a little bit um, coming through the ranks at the QAS and at the Raw. And he's always been a right winger. Uh, so I think we saw a lot of what he can offer going forward. Um, but I think also in the second half, when Diego Castro started really coming into the game, especially in the last third of the match, that he didn't really handle that uh, task particularly well, I didn't think. And it showed a little bit of his naivety, I think, in t- and. That's understandable given oh, yeah. his age and he's learning his limited fast, experience. Because yes. he's only recently converted yeah. to right back. It was yes. during the last youth league season. It was right at the end of the MPL 2016, like two games and then through the youth league. He's learning fast the defensive side of the game. Mm. Trial by fire yeah. almost. It is really based on the opponents he's had to come up against. Mm. Now, up to the other end of the pitch, Jamie McLaren, I thought he had the best of Reese Williams all night. Although Williams, I think, yeah. was shocking. I can kind of see why <laughs> Perth wouldn't mind getting rid of him. But... Yeah, McLaren, you know, he really outmuscled him. Looked like he was making the runs into all yeah. the right places. I think his movement's been really good the last few weeks. The runs, the movement, it opens things up for the Raw. It's just the finishing's not quite there, to Richard's point. That one in the second half, I don't think he had too much time. It was a great ball through from Holmey. Just there's too much time there to get it right, and he's it's unfortunate. But Yeah, I mean, watching the game, um, I was watching with, with one of my mates and uh, my, my dad, and um, I one, my mate, he's a striker. He was just yelling out, go around the keeper, go around the keeper. And I think he did, you know, lose his head a little bit. And he probably did have a little bit too much time to think about that chance. Mm. It, it almost would have been better for him to actually get the ball right on the edge of the box. And it's just two touches yeah. to make your decision instead yeah. of one, two, three, wait, what's he going now? But yeah, I, I was really happy with how he played. Although one thing really did bug me. It was his second trip back to Perth and he's still refusing to celebrate against him. I figure after that first trip, and he did score in that 6-3 game last year, just lighten up and have some fun. He likes scoring against them, though, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. He likes scoring for them, too, yeah. but now he's in the raw colours. Oh, it's, it's good every game against them or something. It's something like that. He's got a pretty good turnaround. Yeah, yeah I believe he scored... I think he scored in every appearance for Brisbane against Perth, because... I remember, I think he only played two games against them last season. He scored in both the games against them so far this season. So. And did he play in the FFA Cup back in August? I'm drawing a blank yes, on that. Yes, he did. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, A-League games. Yeah. 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 FA Cup round of 30. Well, ignore that. That's... Yeah, FFA Cup round of 32. That's, well, that was pre-season for both of those <laughs> clubs anyway. Pre-season game, yes. So, but do you think it's time for him to start celebrating? <sighs> Look, to be honest, each to their own when it comes yeah. to celebrating against their old clubs for me. If 
a player wants to celebrate against his old club. Sometimes I think it can be disrespectful, but at other times I can completely understand it. If you go the Emmanuel Adebayor route and you know run that, the length of the pitch to the other fans, that might be going a little bit far. That's what I want to see happen. But it, when you're just sort of standing there looking like a statue, that, I don't know, show a little bit of excitement. You've just scored what was a very good goal. It doesn't really matter in truth. No, but it just bugs me. And you know, as, you know me. I'll go on. I'll go on rants about completely irrelevant things. As as long as he's not giving goals to the opposition, like Enrique did in uh, the game against Adelaide <laughs> this season, uh, you know, I'm I'm fine with that. That's two Arsenal references in five minutes. By the way, we'll see how many we can get to. Well, between you, the pair of you, this could be good. Would you rather I go back to Super Bowl references? Doesn't matter either way. <laughs> uh, who's listening? Just as long as we don't talk about Emmanuel Adebayor again, I'll be happy. I think. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's instead move on to Perth's opening goal. Just how bad was that miss from the assistant ref, Scott? Oh, it's a shocking decision from the assistant referee. I know he's on the other side, but you should be honest. He's, the ball's clearly out, but I want to focus on the raw here. The, Luke Devere could, could have cleared that ball. If he clears that ball properly, nothing else that happened after it matters. Mm. So that's, and this is the second time now the raw have not played to the whistle. You think about the Jade North incident in Melbourne. And is there a lesson here that needs to be learned for the raw? Yes, yeah, play I want the whistle. Know. Yeah, play the whistle. For me, I've got a little bit of sympathy. I have to say for the uh, for the assistant referee because he's he's trying to look at that decision through both goalposts, and basically he's having to have a guess. Um, given that they had the technology available, you know, um, as we saw in the coverage of the game with Chris Griffiths Jones up in the that box looking at replays and all that type of thing. I mean, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of video technology in the game when it comes to fouls and stuff like that because it's already a very subjective game as it is. And it's not a game with a lot of stops either. You could have no, used it there too because no, there was a stoppage like 10 yes. seconds after it. Yeah. yeah. But it is yeah. kind of one of those things where if you are going to bring it in, and I think they're starting round 26 once yeah. they get yeah. all of the kinks sorted out. But yeah, I do, I do worry we are going to wind up like, you know, the other football codes, rugby union, yeah. rugby league, where you're standing around for five minutes with, you know, time to scratch yourself raw. Yeah, I really yeah. don't want that to happen. But no. Yeah. But Play the whistle, boys, please. For, for me, when it comes to the, to decisions for the referee, um, for me, offsides are something that you can, can call to a relative extent as being black or white. And also the ball being in and out of play. It, it, it generally is pretty obvious whether the ball's gone in, if it's in or out. But when it comes to fouls and stuff like that, I think you just got to leave it in the referee's hands because it's already um, subjective enough, as I said. Just quickly, the one that I would love to have is the goal line technology that you see overseas. That's, yep. To me, that's the logical one we could have. But anyway, that's a topic yeah. for another day. Well, it's, in, well, it's in video games, so how hard is it to do it in real life? <laughs> All right, so the Raw did actually bounce back from that refereeing controversy and managed to get a nice goal for Dane Ingham. I was watching the replay, and I was actually surprised at how well that team move came about for Ingham to finish off. That was almost Raw of old, wasn't it? I think it was also good for Dane Ingham as well. I mean, that's a huge confidence booster for a young player, mm. particularly a player who is an attacking player by nature to score his first goal, even though he's playing it right back. Yeah, um, fantastic goal. It's, I mean... Watching it back, uh, I watched it back yesterday and, you know, sweeping move the whole length of the pitch and then a good little one-two between Ingham and Broich on the edge of the box and it ends with a fantastic finish, you know, brilliant goal. Just on Thomas Broich, he was spectacular on Saturday night. He, he had two assists and he could have had hmm. plenty more. He was by far the best player on the pitch. Well, he was, yeah, he was my highest rated thing. And look, everyone, you know, loves Diego Castro. I've criticised Castro for not doing any sort of defensive work ever in his A-League career, but... 
I was really impressed by how much running off the ball he did when the Raw had possession. But yeah, Broich still showed him yep. what the bar is for A-League imports. Yep. And look, you can have Castro, you can have Rojas, I'll take Broich. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he, if there's any doubt about whether he's the best um, A-League import of all time, or the best in the history of Australian football, uh, I think it's just absolute nonsense, to be honest with you. Um, you know, player of the season officially in two of the Raw's championship winning seasons, in my opinion, probably should have been player of the se- season in... Uh, the 2010-11 season as well, when Marcos Flores won Player of the Year. That's right. I was trying to remember who that the was. Third place Adelaide United, <laughs> yeah. I believe it was. Because um, he scored you know, one great goal and he got it. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you can't doubt his influence on the the peak years that the Raw had. I don't think, and now he's still able to produce very, very good performances, even though I don't think he's got the legs he used to. Right now, would you re-sign him on a non-marquee but still decent money deal yes. for another two years? Yes. I mean, the, the, the importance he has on the team. I mean, replacing him if we have to in the off-season is going to be mighty difficult because it's not just... It's what he offers all around. You have to keep him as long as you can. For me, a one-year deal because, you know, as, as an Arsenal fan, you, you get... You get <laughs> That's three. <laughs> you get... You get nervous when it comes to contract extensions, believe me. But in this case, I think, given his age, um, he's in a bit of a situation. I think Arsene Wenger is, you know, uh, well, not dissimilar, but... Um, <laughs> except Broich is still producing at the expected level. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Mm. There's no doubt about that. But, um, you know, he... he for me, he's, give him one he, more yeah. year if he feels like it, you know. Because, as um, Scott said, it's going to be almost impossible I'd say to find a player of the equivalent quality to, to bring in especially given our financial situation which nobody really understands <laughs> I think at the moment you know so they just get swept under the carpet during the season Scott and that's four Arsenal references isn't that Arsenal's favourite number two by the way yeah, oh, <laughs> arguably we'll go for that per segment but yeah look uh, for me yeah Broich is just one of those players this is probably the best I think he's looked since that last grand final yeah. season and until he sh- he's what, probably the one guy that you say it's better to release him a little bit too late as opposed to a little bit too early. Well, that was the big story last year that he was fading throughout the season. Maybe he was just sick yeah. of getting kicked all the time. I think, that he's be- I think he has to be the most foul player in the history of the competition, doesn't he? Yeah. There all can't right. be another one. Yep. All right, so we're going to move to the rest of the A-League. Quick hit on the results. Adelaide 1, Newcastle 0. Is this a turning point for Adelaide? Yeah, they might finish 8th. <laughs> all right, so Wellington 1, uh, Melbourne City 5. What do you think of this, Richard? Um, Wellington completely capitulated after Barbarossa's uh, missed the penalty from what I saw. Some of the defending was absolutely shambolic. Yeah. Uh, then the feature game Saturday night, which we're going to have to come back to, unfortunately, a little bit later mm-hmm. on. 1-0 West Sydney, Sydney FC. More refereeing controversy. Should Sydney feel hard done by? I thought the last one, the last minute, you know, that was a penalty to me, but... Sydney did play well in this game, but fair play to the Wanderers. Someone had to beat them. So I think that was actually probably one for Popovich, where he came out with the right tactics to really stifle Sydney FC. Yeah, I mean, I've only watched the highlights of these games. I was out watching local football on Saturday night. Mm, but, Mr. Um, Busy. Yeah, I was, actually. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it did look like it was a fairly even game that could have gone yeah. either way, from what I saw. And I, seeing the incident back on the... Uh, Alex Bross penalty. It's a penalty um, it, it was a clear penalty for me, you know. And Sydney FC will feel hard done by, but 
for me, in terms of the overall season, I'm not sure they can have too many complaints over the over the course of the season because I think things maybe evened out a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we're going to move on to... The, the loss might actually do them good too yeah. because now they've got... The invincible thing is gone. They can just focus on playing the games. That's it. And, you know, now the primary concern for them is the Premier's Plate race, which Melbourne... Do, just because, you know, with the Raw, when they oh, were yes, getting like the 34, 35, 36, it was starting to get a lot... Very nervous for fans and the players. You could see it was taxing. I actually think the Raw fans were probably the second... Celebrating second most out of the rest of the A-League yeah. compared to... The other team, but as I, as I was just saying, the one team that will probably also be celebrating Melbourne victory three 0 hammering of the Mariners is the Premiership race back on. Uh, not for me. I think Melbourne victory. They've still got inconsistent performances in their team. I think you know they've got some fantastic attacking players like Troisi, Rojas, Barisha, but they they can also go missing in games. They they're not the biggest workers defensively. I don't think and. The back sort of two thirds of that team does concern me in terms of the Premiership race, and I think they will have uh, a few games where they'll drop points. And Sydney FC, I think, will still win the Premiership quite we'll comfortably. F- we'll find out in the next two weeks because City hosts Sydney on Friday, and that's a they're given the form Melbourne City, and that could be a tough game. If they were to draw that game and, and victory beat Adelaide, it does set up the Big Blue two weeks from now as potentially interesting. I think but that implies yeah. victory go to Sydney and win which would be a massive result, and that would put the Premiership race on. I agree with Richard. I think it's finished, but the door is ever so slightly ajar for Melbourne victory. It could set up for almost a de facto Premier's plate decider. Anyway, that's going to be it for segment one of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.